when we initially started this show, you posited that I would get enough money out of this deal to like to retire off this program. I think is the way that you convinced this thing to happen. I mean, there's nothing in writing. Yeah. So I think we need to make a whole lot more money from this show. So therefore, based off a few podcasts I listened to this week, I think we need an industry to disrupt. Mm. So I've, I've got a game plan. So we need two words. We need blank and blank. Because as as people who listen to the 538 uh, Politics podcast will know, uh, every disruptive company is uh, noun and noun. For example, uh, bowl and branch, tuft and needle, and whatever whatever the hell mott and bow is. Which is, the, <laughs> I, I I wonder how Five Thirty Eight gets its sponsors because it's always the weirdest direct consumer VC play thing. And I, yeah, the the designer jeans that are shipped to you like Warby like I mean that that was a new one where I was like I almost literally just. I so I had I have a lot of questions about the what what was it called again the gene one <laughs> I had to look it up and go back again it's called Mott and Bow M O T T like the applesauce and Bow like a ship I I literally think it's a random word generator got it um not entirely dissimilar from Eastcut but maybe we can come back to that yeah. <laughs> um the same uh, ad consultancy <laughs> right. so I have a lot of questions about um applesauce and jeans mm-hmm. um hey, I think so, you might actually get a show title for one <laughs> <laughs> um so as the ad was going along I thought that this was the Casper of designer jeans, where they had come up with some formula to make the world's perfect gene, and that by being both the manufacturer and distributor, they can pass the lack of a middleman. That's the savings you get from that, rather on oh, from, from all those greedy fucking uh, mattress salespeople. <laughs> exactly, um, but no, I guess that's not what it is. Like they sell. Like traditional designer jeans okay. that right. that like did they did they did these like fall off the back of a truck somewhere and Hold then there I apologize for interrupting your story, but I, just to see what you're talking about, I went to their website. So first up, it shows you I forget what it said now because the entire web browser window is now blocked out. That says, "Do you want a twenty dollar e gift card?" And it has one of those. This has been a trend in design recently where there's a passive aggressive second option. So it says, "Yes, get a twenty dollar gift card," or no, I'd rather pay full price. And the second box could literally just say, go fuck yourself. And that's <laughs> really, really upsetting. Like, so, yeah, if you go to their website, there's a man looking sullen outside of either New York or Portland. I don't know. And it says, it's a state of mind. Oh, actually, yeah, styles inspired by New York City. Hmm. Hmm. So, yeah, this is, this is, this is not, not good. So, yeah, so I'm sorry. You were saying that it's not stuff... Well, and also I dispute your assertion that Casper um, somehow perfected the mattress because it's, it's not. <laughs> but yeah, so you're saying they don't make their own? They just they're they're selling bootleg bootcut jeans. Well, that that was my so I had you know <laughs> lots of different thoughts that were going through my head during Jody's ad read, and he's always so enthusiastic. <laughs> he is, and they're they're a he little long, it. but but he sells it. Yeah, it's it's fine. Um. But yeah, my I, I went from thinking that these were jeans they made themselves to 
I thought then he said something about them selling various brands. But now as I'm on the website, it, there aren't any brand names or anything. Actually, these so. do look like made up probably direct from China jeans. Like, you know, you know what I mean? Like where it's like every company will just assign weird, funky hipster names to whatever it is. And it's literally just stuff straight from China. And I, I you know, I could be a cheapskate. Like that can't be ruled out, but you think ninety six dollars is still pricey? I and while like I'm looking at the uh, slim uh, Wooster jeans, uh, it's W O O S T E R, and these are one hundred and eighteen dollars, which is probably about double the price I've ever paid for a pair of jeans. Um, is Wooster like, a piece of Jockmock? <laughs> Maybe. Um, like for me, I think the sixty to seventy dollar range, like that's that's like my very upper threshold for a pair of jeans. Okay, can can we abandon this premise now? And real quick, we have to talk about Banana Republic sales. Uh, please, yeah. So I agree with you on the on the pricing of jeans, and, and there's a lot of there's a new thing, and I think this is maybe more of like an urban thing where pe- there are people who will spend like two hundred or three hundred dollars on jeans. And that makes no sense to me. And I've always been kind of the cheap person who will go and buy Levi's at Macy's whenever they're on sale. But I've I've kind of evolved behind uh, beyond that. And Banana Republic actually has really really great comfortable jeans. But you have to remember to buy them at the um, the friends and family sale that happens twice a year, where you get them half off. And that fits exactly at the price point you mentioned, where the regular price of them is one hundred and eighteen dollars. And when it's a friends and family sale, it becomes much more reasonable. So I guess then the premise of what is Mott and Bow is these are ultra expensive jeans that are discounted to just being really expensive jeans. Where you, do do they oh they have an our story page. There we go. Our mission, how can we get people premium grade jeans at a reasonable price? I'm <laughs> I'm glad they they figured out that that was their calling in life. <laughs> uh the best mills in the world, manually intensive artistic oh, come on. Surprised it doesn't say artisanal in there somewhere. Yeah, when they're out of business in three years, I look forward to their uh, Our Great Journey uh, debrief page on Medium. Well, and then maybe the jeans will sell for 60 or $70 then. And they have a home try-on. They're, they're, do, they're doing the full Warby. Mm. Mm. Um, okay, so let's go back to, so what are we disrupting? Uh, so we need, what was the formula again? Well, so, so, so first two I, words. So I need you to pick what we're, what we're doing. What what industry is rife or uh, are ready to be disrupted, and then we need to pick uh, either two nouns or two vaguely upper class names to to use for our venture. Hmm. Do you want do you want to um, upend dog biscuits? I don't, I don't think anybody's thought of how to send you a box of uh, low grade dog stuff that's hard to cancel. <laughs> Is is Bran is Bran on BarkBox yet? He's not yet. No, he's going to need to move past the um, destroying every toy phase. I think before we before we do that. That's 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 his duty in life. The um the the cactus that you purchased him. Oh no, is is very much on its last legs. Oh, Mr. Cactus. No, or sorry, oh Travis. Oh no, (laughs) which is a good sign because it really was his favorite toy there for a pretty good stretch until he ripped the hole in the 
um, cloth covering and then got to the... Uh, oh, he got to the squeaker. Oh, no. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. He, 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 was, he was mad about them not being classified as employees, too. Mm-hmm. Oh, poor Bran. <laughs> uh, <laughs> He's very politically outspoken at such a young age. <laughs> he hates those scooters, too. <laughs> he actually does hate scooters. I'm, it's isn't true. that the thing that dogs hate everything with wheels? Like, I thought yeah, that, that's yeah. a very common dog thing. He... They hate... Most dogs absolutely fucking hate skateboards. Yeah, skateboards, bikes. Kind of like anything that he can't get to. <laughs> anything that's moving too quickly for him to inspect. Mm. All right, so sorry. What are we disrupting? We, we have a lot of show to cover. We got we to we figure out our monetization. We got to figure out our 10-year plan. Maybe we can make... Um, Apple Watch cases. You ever see those? I uh, okay. <laughs> no, we'll, we're we're gonna leave that for the, no. Those, those have we're to be like the the dumbest accessory. Withholding my opinion, or because this this will get off track again. Okay, so what are uh, we doing? No, I'm, I think Apple Watch cases. I think no, that's a... no. Um, we are disrupt. I think I think we're disrupting the well, nobody's disrupt- uh, the rest the restaurant no. experience, right? You're no, like no. you're halfway to doing that already. Oh, I'm I'm all the way to doing that. <laughs> German washing machine is 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 a, a, literally forty Michelin stars so far. Hmm. Um. No, let's let's disrupt wine. Hasn't that already been disrupted by who? I haven't seen any. Maybe I'm not listening to the right podcast, but I'm not getting podcast ads full of people telling me why I'm going to get. Uh, higher quality rosé or uh, sparkling wine directly to my door. So yeah, so who, who's who's disrupting wine? No, there's there's one um, there's one on Bill Simmons's website that's like oh. the what wait the, the ringer that the apple bottom jeans of wine the what that what the the what bow, the mountain bow apple whatever the. <laughs> isn't, isn't that a, a ever since you said mott like the applesauce, it's thrown me off. That's all I can think about now. Okay, so not wine. Fine, you veto wine. So you, so you think something up? That's not Apple Watch bands. I mean, I, I kind of like the idea of one. I'm just saying that. Okay, so um, so then give me give me two nouns: a uh, cork and spoon. I mean, what what are you, you going to do? Vine and cork. No, that's that's too on the nose. It's got it's got to be vaguely. That's vine, one of the things that all of these have. Where earth, you, earthly vines. No, it's got to be and. Oh, and like that's the whole thing where it's two things where you don't necessarily know what the company does yet. And that's part of the strategy is that they they want you to Google it. Drink and, and heart, drink and harvest. No, I like harvest though. Harvest could because that doesn't immediately give away. Okay, what it is. I, I like it. Um, okay, hmm, hold on. No, tannin says too much. Um, Sip and harvest. No, but it can't be. It has to be a noun, not a verb. A na- a noun. Yeah, two so nouns. It, so it's a noun and verb. No, no, two nouns. Because harvest can be is, is both a noun and a verb. Th- thank you. Yes. Uh, <laughs> um, so great grape and harvest is two, two on, on the, the nose. nose. Um, oh man. Um, what's like a good? I mean, with wine, it's all about adjectives. So I'm having a hard time coming up with a noun. Oak and harvest? No, that's. Okay. Mm. Barrel and harvest. That's close. That's close. Mm. Hmm. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Cork, cork and harvest is pretty good too. Yeah, it's too. Hmm. 
Yeah, well, we'll we'll go with. Hmm. I think barrel and harvest is as close as we've gotten so far. I. Oh, okay. We'll, we'll we'll workshop a little bit, but I'm going to take that for now. Okay. Okay. I'll re- I'll register the domain name. <laughs> yeah, barrelandharvest.pizza. This will be the last week of the podcast because we will be off making lots and lots of money Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. from our, what did we we decide? Barrel and Harvest. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Not to be confused with Mott and Bow. But but after six months when things, when when our, uh, sorry, I had to think of all my uh, Y Combinator lingo. When our burn rate is too high, uh, we will have to pivot. And go into like just garlic fries or something. I don't know. We'll just basically Ooh. become a uh, Gott's Roadside franchise. Can we actually? Can we throw out the wine idea and instead maybe <laughs> disrupt garlic fries? Given that, um, what's the famous one that they still sell at AT and T Park? What do you mean, Gil- Gilroy garlic fries? No, what, what well, do you mean? but the, but it's it's made by. There used to be an actual restaurant in San Francisco where the Mozilla office is now. It wasn't that Gordon Biersch place. Gordon Biersch, yeah. They're, well, they're the ones who still make the fries at AT&T Park. Yeah, but that that was just a really sub-average uh, beer place or brew well, pub. Well, but that, that's what I'm saying, though, is that... Oh, we're going we're gonna to disrupt gastro pubs? Um, well, I was thinking more specifically and perhaps more narrowly just garlic fries, but but yeah, we could think about gastro pubs in general, I guess. Yeah, well, but how do, you, how do you ship garlic fries through UPS? Eh, we'll come up with something. It's, this is how you're. This is how you become disruptive. You find new means of delivery mm, because you know meal delivery services are great business. Ooh, has anybody done that yet? <laughs> we should think about that. Let's 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 tangle that and come back to it. Yeah, yeah. APRN doesn't move that much anymore. No. Well, it, yeah. Un- unfortunately, doesn't really have. Well, anyway. Yeah. yeah. Moving on, so we can actually talk about does that. That went in weird directions I wasn't expecting. <laughs> Talking about things that move in weird directions, mm. Amazon released a whole bunch of stuff. We're, we're going to load this before follow-up because it, it, it doesn't fit into anything. And when uh, a company that started with the premise of selling you books from Seattle uh, is now making microwaves that you can talk to, I think that deserves a, a, a big old uh, thinking face emoji. So to, <laughs> so to Amazon's credit, um, and I know it's not a very fair. Com- it's in fact, it's not a fair comparison at all. But That'd Amazon actually like does a really, really great job of just blowing kind of people away with these events because, like, not only do people not know what's going to be announced, but I think even like the event itself is like kind of a surprise. Like they they sort of just like announce it with like very short notice, and people just like show up, and then there's like all these announcements that. I guess some of them have been kind of rumored but by and large it's not like an apple event where we basically have like schematics and now like even the names of like every product they announce so you um, think they effectively doubled down on secrecy perhaps yeah i mean have you seen how ripped jeff bezos is now nobody's gonna mess with that guy um but definitely yeah this not, was not labor unions <laughs> Ooh, uh, mm. it's, it's it's sad because mm, it's dumb mm, mm. um yeah this was a um kind of a crazy announcement they announced just a ton of different stuff this verge article that we'll put in the notes says uh that they had 14 big announcements at this surprise (laughs) hardware event and they had everything from a new echo dot to 
the Echo Auto, which is basically just like a uh, lady in a can speaker for your car, to a subwoofer that's meant to pair to an Amazon device and give your music better bass because as everyone knows carlos you're all about that bass um yeah so uh, actually and we'll, we'll we'll tangle the uh the the fire tv recast thing but yeah they 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 just shoved they they iterated they released new versions of a ton of products and they also released some out of left field ones because didn't they have a thing with garmin or somebody where there was already um an echo based car product they did, yes. They had partnered with someone, but this is now a um, just straight Amazon device. Yeah. And also, what seems like a, a distinction without a difference, um, there's there's a new third gen Echo Dot, but there's also now an Echo Dot thing that's meant to plug into another speaker, which the Echo Dot could already do, but this one doesn't have a speaker in it. But it's basically the same price. Yeah, that that one's a little. Yeah, that one's a little strange. Um, I, it, it's smaller, I guess, so yeah. I, I, I don't know. Seems redundant, but yeah. But the most interesting one, unless you have one that you really want to talk about, is the microwave. There's a $60 uh, Amazon Basics microwave that has uh, the Echo family of voice assistant inside of it. And you could now buy, an, buy a microwave from a bookstore that you can talk to. And tell it to make popcorn, I guess. Well, so there, there's a little bit of a uh, real time, a little real time follow up here. Mm -hmm. So the device itself actually does not have Lady in a Can built in. Hmm? Then what's then so what is it, it? So it 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 has uh, Wi-Fi, which it uses to connect to the internet. But then it has Bluetooth, which it uses to connect to one of your existing Echo devices. So you, ha you have to have a, a, another Echo device in the home. And presumably, um, yeah, so we actually, yeah, this Verge article, I wasn't sure if it connected via Wi-Fi or Bluetooth. But no, this Verge article explicitly says Bluetooth. So it has to be within Bluetooth range of an Echo device. And there's no actual microphone in the microwave. So what you're really doing is you're speaking to your echo device which is then relaying your command to the microwave oh this this is fake news i'm not really sure exactly why it has both wi-fi and bluetooth if it's just using bluetooth for um the connection to the echo but in any case the 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 lady in a can stuff's not built into the device itself same with the they announced a wall clock that i think kind of works the same way yeah so wait, are you supposed to put the echo dot inside of the microwave <laughs> yes uh-huh yeah, turn it a, on that's exactly right yeah yeah this no, makes no sense then that. what's the point like why not make it a hundred dollars more or sorry forty dollars more and just put the echo dot inside of it well i think what this is probably a, a play on as you would say is a lot of people i think have their echo devices in the kitchen that always seems uh -huh. to be a common refrain so because of that I mean, sixty dollars is a really interesting price. So if that's they also can, exceptionally cheap for a microwave, it is, which makes you question how good of a microwave it is. But although I, I will say I, we've been buying a fair bit of Amazon Basics stuff, particularly for Branson, and it's, it's all been really good stuff. The only bad experience, which longtime listeners will remember fondly, is their shoddy HDMI cables. Mm-hmm. Um, everything else from Amazon well, well, Basics. Well, you were trying to good. do 4K 
four colon two colon two UHD with ARC. That's that that was asking a lot. Well, but every single other HDMI cable I've ever used has been fine with that. And the one that ended up working was just some random one I found in a box. Uh, from like mono price or something. That's part of the four four K spec. <laughs> it has to be required straight straight out of a, a rat's nest of cables <laughs> to, from two moves ago. That's that's you, literally what it's called. You have one of those, right? Just like one of those big plastic bins full of cables. I'm not I the do, only one. I do, but it's insanely organized because I'm me. Oh yeah, you. Yeah, or just I, I, I mean that in a bad way, in that I, I spend a lot of time doing things of little consequence. <laughs> we'll get to that later. Uh huh. We'll come back to that. Okay, so let's do. You, do you have anything else about this microwave? Because apparently, this is not what I thought it was at all, and it's and it's not as funny anymore. This this seems like a weird product now. Basically, it's a like so. Basically, it's kind of like it's like a Wemo or like one of those like smart things, things like who? Why are you talking to your microwave? Well, you're not talking. You're you're not talking to the microwave. You're ta- you're talking to the echo, which is then talking to the microwave. I thought the like the way I understood this, which is apparently wrong, is that it was now it was basically just an obvious place to include um, an echo device in your kitchen, and that sure it could have a, a jokey, hey, make popcorn or heat this for two and a half minutes type thing, but like it was all the other stuff, like that you could tell it to set a timer and like you could talk to your microwave. If you still need an echo dot, then what's the point? See, Carlos, they couldn't they couldn't just build a uh, lady in a can integration into the device because it's sixty bucks and an echo dot is fifty dollars. So if they actually built the lady in a can functionality into the device, then anybody who was gonna buy a dot would just buy a microwave. And they can't they can't have people putting microwaves like in their bedrooms and stuff. Oh, they certainly could oh, wait, hold on. Oh, I apologize for taking this there. What was the thing where President Trump and Darth was doing the thing with the microwave with the camera. What was this about? You remember that? No. When was that? Are you blocking it out? And I, I perhaps if I am, I, I not intentionally. So how do I? Um, wait, what is this? I don't know how to search for things. How do you? How do I suggest things to? Ju- Oh, there was a Sean Spicer mini fridge thing. I forgot about that. Oh, yeah. No, it's not that, though. That. Wait, what was the thing? I'll I'll look it up while you're talking about something else. Um, Wait, what? Oh, it was related to Kellyanne Conway did a thing where she said that microwaves that turn into cameras can spy on us. And then I remember that Darth photoshopped a thing where there was a microwave on his desk next to the Diet Coke button. I apologize for bringing this up. <laughs> Follow up. Um, Amazon. Wait, what's what's the other one? Apple acquired, uh, closed their acquisition of Shazam. Good for them. Still vaguely confused as because didn't they already have a? Did they didn't they already have like an in-house product that did this, or they had a? fairly amenable licensing agreement with Shazam for Siri to do the thing. Yeah, I don't recall them ever building anything on their own, but I yeah, I think Shazam has had a, a Siri integration for a while. Because even if you don't have Shazam installed, I know you can ask Siri to um to identify the music. So yeah, it I, I'm I'm unsure what they're buying, but Apple has money to spare. Mm-hmm. Um Waze is now um one of the is like the next app that sports um, CarPlay on iOS 12. That's cool. 
I'll, I'll give it a try. But Waze, as, as we've discussed many times, a little bit too aggressive on the uh, the wacky routing. So probably sticking with Google Maps. But And wait, does Waze have a thing? So like my um, Tesla navigation system has this, which I assume is probably just a feature from Google Maps because everything else from that nav system is from <laughs> Google Maps. Um, like, does it have a thing where it, you can say like, hey, don't bother rerouting me if it's going to save me like less than X number of minutes? That's a, that's a good feature. I, I don't know. For some reason, I feel like it wouldn't work, but that that's that's really smart. Well, yeah, I, I don't know how accurate it is, but like in the <laughs> Tesla, by default, it, it says, you know, hey, if it's not going to save me more than 10 minutes, just don't don't reroute me. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I don't know. When I was in advance, when the update came out for Waze, I opened it for the first time in a year, and then I went through all the settings, and I didn't see anything like that. Um, so I don't think so. And there's nothing in, like that in Google Maps. Um, Can I ask you a question about CarPlay? Most definitely. Um, everything that I've seen, um, which has really just been like what I've seen in your car, it's just it just all it's all very like um, like low like low poly, meaning like the, the graphics are just, just like the, the graphics are just like not very good. Like Apple Maps, which is the one that I've seen most often, just doesn't look like nearly as good as it does on the phone. Is is Google Maps and CarPlay like the same way? Dis disagree. Actually, let me because um, actually this is for last week's show. But let me uh, I'll send a link to this, uh, and then I got too many windows. Okay, I've sent you a thing. So um, no Google Maps are on car. So you are right, and I don't think this is a function of CarPlay, but Apple Maps does show slightly less detail by default on CarPlay. But no, Google Maps, it looks exactly like it does on the phone, which which is really nice. Okay, yeah, this this looks pretty nice. And it's super smooth, too, other than the fact that they haven't made it so that the back button works properly. But that's okay. I'll take it. Yeah, no, but, but it looks exactly the same. Okay, yeah, this looks nice. I, this car, Apple Maps has always looked really crummy in CarPlay, which is weird because it looks beautiful on the phone. Yeah, and I th- I think when iOS 11 came out, or when I first started using CarPlay, I showed you a thing where it, like, I was driving in Dan- uh, downtown or the financial district of San Francisco, and it just showed, like, just this line just going straight to Franklin Street and, like, just no other streets. Like, it was just where you are and where it thinks you're going to turn, and there was no street names or street lines, and it was just, it was just madness. And and that's, that's Apple Maps. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so that's uh, so ways on Apple Maps is the thing. Now, uh, something very important to you, something, something, Dunkin' Donuts. So Dunkin' Donuts is rebranding themselves. Um, and this is not a, um international house of burgers or whatever situation. This is actually a, a name change that I think makes a lot of sense. So they're going from Dunkin' Donuts and dropping the donuts to become just Dunkin'. Which kind of reflects the fact that a lot of people, myself most notably included, don't really go to Dunkin' Donuts for the donuts. I I find their donuts to be mediocre at best, and they're actually just food in general to just be kind of so-so. Um, I'm interested in the coffee, and they've you know they've diversified their offerings quite a bit over the last handful of years. So I think you know taking the donut focus out of the name makes a lot of sense 
So uh, in full disclosure, as a, a Dunkin' Donuts shareholder, I fully support this. <gasps> oh, yeah. No, I've, I've, I've owned Dunkin' Donuts for a couple of years now. It's done done quite well. Oh, this is this is basically an Elon stock manipulation thing. <laughs> it, it, is. Is. it is. You did you did not probably I have I have a plan to take Duncan private. Uh the funding funding's been secured. Yeah, for four twenty a share. <laughs> uh what what actually what is its share price? It's uh I haven't checked it in a little while. It's it's seventy something, maybe? Hmm. Um and Duncan's in a good position. Like so this is not a desperate um like when Radio Shack became the Shack. This is coming from a position of strength, not a position of desperation. Correct. Yeah, they've um they've done really really well the last handful of years. They've expanded along the west coast where they haven't been in a couple of decades. Yeah, no they they've been doing been doing really well. And Dunkin Donuts is different from Krispy Kreme. Oh, very, very much so. See, that that's very much the opposite, where Krispy Kreme, you go there and the donuts are all you want. Like the coffee and all that is, is you take or leave, but the, the donuts you want there. Is Krispy Kreme the one that has one in Mission Viejo down by the thing? Correct, yes. Yeah, Krispy Kreme's not that good. They're really sugary donuts. Well, I, I would say in general that donuts are just not really something that i go after very often because it's just it's it's the quintessential food where if i eat a donut first thing in the morning in particular i just really hate myself yeah shame spiral mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah um so that's what i was gonna say when you said uh the donuts are not what you go there for i was gonna uh, the logical follow-up question was uh do you have a good donut spot and it sounds like you don't or it sounds like that's not some that's not a priority for you for me i'd be more of a uh, bagel guy if I'm gonna go, then you're in the, the wrong state, bud. Let me know if you find a good bagel in in California. I ha- I haven't yet. Yeah. Uh, quick. Uh, if anybody does want a good donut, they should try out Twisted Donuts in the uh, in the uh, Inner Sunset. Very mm, good. Nice. In insanely reasonably priced. Uh, so yeah, so you can get yeah, very good. You've never you've never been to New York, right? I have not yet. Um, the you know the whole New York bagel thing. Yeah. It's it's a thing. I I've had it. I was I was very skeptical going into it. I left a believer. But it it also now has like further ruined my thought of of bagels here. My problem with that is that I don't so I I will take it as read that that you that you're being honest and truthful about that. But like it's the whenever I see New York bagels and stuff there there's always people like talking about putting locks and stuff on the bagel and I think that 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 seems not right well as a or that seems as, too busy i mean as as someone who doesn't particularly care for salmon in general i you know i'm not getting into any of that but you just you get a, a good good bagel and you get some good uh cream cheese or uh schmear as you know as you call it um no <laughs> that's an attack on my credibility no. <laughs> uh that's that's what that's what you want and in in new york it's it's excellent Okay. You get, you, get a, you get a you get a bagel. You get your Dunkin' Donuts coffee. Mm. Helps you adjust to the fact that you're waking up three hours earlier than your body thinks it should. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. I'll take Bart. <laughs> right. No, you'll you'll take their their uh, crumbling subway system. Hmm. I enjoy how mad uh, or not mad, but how uh, a friend of the show Mikey B always complains about it. 
Him and uh, Jody, too. Jody's kind of always on the subway beat. Yeah, I thought Cynthia Nixon was supposed to fix all that. Mm-hmm. Um, something, there's something about the East Cut this week. I forget. Well, it's it's mainly that I uh, we uh, it was more of a tuning our own horn that we have been mainly uh, mainly I, but also you you joined up where we are the uh, the um, the uh, we were the canary in the coal mine for uh, this East Cut nonsense, and now everybody else is rising up and figuring out what the hell it is. Well, because they've. You know, they've been putting these signs up around the area, but they recently started with this. I don't really, it's not an ad campaign. It's an awareness campaign. Awareness campaign. Thank you. And now you're here. Like Drake. (laughs) And yeah. Started started from the bottom, the East Cut. So, you know, going back, you know, throwing it back to the beginning of the show where we kind of had this formula, right? Like noun and, was it noun and verb? No, just noun and noun. I thought it was noun and verb. No, like it... tuft and needle is noun and noun. And uh, mot, applesauce and whatever the other thing. But I thought the whole... Oh, okay, never mind. We'll, we'll, we'll come back to that. Um, it is, yes, their, their whole awareness campaign is... And now you're here. Something grew up here or like was here and now you're here. And so the the sign that we'll put in the notes is roast coffee grew up here and now you're here mm-hmm. it just it 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 raises just an infinite number of questions i assume it's related to that um actually the corn like we're uh, close uh, not to mess up your opsec but like but near where you work um there's the like the the old folgers uh building or whatever I assume that's what it's related uh, to. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, so it's not it's not out that's, of nowhere, but it's it's okay. trying to create a false nostalgia for a thing that's absolutely made up. I am very very resistant to anything that's at 1 billion percent manufactured, which is what this is. Mhm. Yeah. Uh yeah, well, well you put something in here about well actually this this is all you. Um uh something something Star Wars. So, um there was an acknowledgement by Bob Iger. I, I think this was like on a um, a recent investment call where he basically kind of acknowledged what everybody's been assuming uh, for the last couple of months, specifically since the release of Solo, where there was a bit of Star Wars fatigue setting in, um, where, you know, there was like one of these movies released every like three to 10 years from the seventies all the way through the mid two thousands. And then now all of a sudden it's like one. And then in the case of the last Jedi and then solo two movies in a 12 month period or really two, two movies in like a six month period actually. Um, so he's acknowledged that they're taking a step back and sort of, you know, reevaluating their plan. Um, I mean, but make no mistake, there are uh, seven confirmed movies in the pipeline. There's the last movie to this current trilogy, and then there are two full other trilogies that have been confirmed to be in development. There's a live-action TV show, which is going to premiere with Disney's TV service. They just uh, released a new animated series, and they just announced a an, another animated series that they're bringing back. So there's going to be plenty of Star Wars still, but at least on the 
movie front, at the very least, they're going to be sort of uh, spacing them out a bit more. Good. There seems to be a lot of them. So, because here's the thing, like, uh, even though I don't care for Star Wars and I've tried to watch it twice, I still like that people like it. And as an outside observer who has no vested interest in this, it still seems like with the rate at which they've been coming out, it seems like it's making it less special. And I assume there's probably two two groups of fans where there's a lot of people who will just take as much of some like of, of a franchise or a thing they love and just like binge on it, or and there's people who maybe still want it to be special. And I don't know. From the outside, it seems like it's with like four movies coming out in what seems like nine months, that it was getting a lot less special. So I like in theory, I I kind of ag- agree, but I feel like they they sort of gave up before they actually gave it a chance because i don't know i i think what we saw with like solo earlier this year was i don't think i don't think that movie failed because it came out six months after the previous movie i think it failed just because it just it wasn't a great movie in just in general like it was you know as a star wars fan like i enjoyed it and actually i the 4k uh blu-ray disc actually just arrived today um so I, you know, I, I like I'm perfectly content with it, but I'll be the first to acknowledge that it. it's certainly nowhere near one of the best movies in the series. Um, but like even the the concept of like standalone Star Wars movies, ones that don't really have anything to do with the you know the main storyline, the first one of those they did, Rogue One, was was fantastic. So that as a concept, they've proven they can do. Um, you know that came out roughly a year after. Uh, the Force Awakens, so you know, not that much time had passed. So I, I, I don't know. I, I guess I'm, I'm a little bummed that maybe they've pumped the brakes a little too quickly. Although, again, I mean, it's, it's not like they're canceling Star Wars. Like there is a ton, a ton of stuff oh. that's, that's coming out. It's just, again, like, gonna have a bit more of a, a staggered release schedule. Yeah, they're canceling Star Wars, like Trump's canceling NAFTA. <laughs> right. Um. Okay. I mean, again, I, I I want people to like what they like. Star Star Wars seems like a good thing for people that people like, and it seems very inoffensive. So, on whoever's schedule, that's that's great. Mm-hmm. So, speaking about being inoffensive, uh, Apple is we've we've talked at length about. Uh, I think both of our misgivings i think we we dislike it or or are pessimistic to different degrees on this but apple is doing their original video service offering um that's probably going to launch sometime in the middle of next year and there have been actually in the past 12 months it's really ramped up with a lot of different deals coming out of apple securing the rights to various creative projects and bringing on big name talent to make um original series for the for the platform so they can have like a decent amount of content to launch with and the wall street journal had a big um article this weekend about it of like was it people in like who work on it who are speaking anonymously about their concerns about it or were was like or were the sources people who no longer are associated with the project i mean i think it's it's you know um all of these different uh movie and tv executives who leak like a sieve have these meetings with apple and then they you know talk about them after the fact 
Well, I think part of this wasn't there a J.J. Abrams or what, what was the one where like I, I think uh, Upgrade talked about that like um, the heavy-handed script control and and um, content policing like that a project got pretty far into development before it was clear that it was going to be um, heavily edited or um, there's gonna be a lot of creative control exerted on it. Yeah, it was it wasn't J.J. Abrams, but yeah, it was another. Um, another famous showrunner. Yeah. So yeah. So that's I uh, as somebody who uh, frequently uh, uh, talks about like uh, like uh, a lot of um, like all these superhero movies and a whole bunch of other stuff. It's just like just it seems like just mindless violence, and I'm somebody who I think pushes back against that. I don't necessarily dislike the concept of um, uh, taking a, like a position on the content you're creating that says you don't need to be extremely edgy or. Um, like have excessive um like r rated or tvma content to do good storytelling but also because this thing is just so insanely elective on apple's part where this does not speak to their core competency at all i i this just seems like another thing like like why are you even bothering then if you're going to make something that as somebody said in the article suggested it was why are you just creating expensive nbc so I, yeah, I was really think, thinking about this the last couple of days, and I, I've been really, really quick to just completely think that this strategy is really, really dumb and short-sighted on Apple's part. And for the most part, I, I still feel that way. Um, but the, I think the counterpoint, and this is the part that I have kind of come to realize a bit more, is... Like HBO really does have a reputation, right? Like when you think of HBO, like the first thing you think about really is the graphic content that they have. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, I mean, I mean, maybe I'm sure not everybody thinks that way, but that by and large, that's the, the kind of popular view of HBO is basically in order to be an HBO show, you have to have, you know, some combination of violence or sex or language or, you know, whatever. Um, and you know, that's, that's their, like, that's their reputation and they, and they kind of own it. So it's all a way of saying that the, you know, that the type of content that you put out there is obviously then what the reputation of your service becomes. So I I think like in Apple's case, like I get that their, you know, their overall brand is, you know, been very carefully curated. Um, and they, they wouldn't necessarily want graphic content then to become a big part of that brand. But, but again, like in HBO's case, I mean, they, they sort of take it to the extreme where basically every one of their shows has some kind of graphic content. And I think there, there probably is some kind of middle ground where, you know, some of Apple shows maybe are that TV 14, TVMA kind of middle ground. But then they have plenty of other offerings that are, you know, G-rated. Like, it doesn't have to be all one or the other. Yeah, I get that. I mean, yeah, I I, I don't dispute any of that, although I would push back a little bit that, that all, that literally all of HBO's content is like that. But, like, I think that for Apple to, like, because if, if they're doing this, they probably want to do it whole-assed. And I'm sorry, that's a phrase you probably couldn't use on an Apple show. But like you, you wouldn't they want to approach this like Netflix? 
like Netflix, not every original series they do is is super edgy or t- like necessarily TVMA. That's right. I mean, they have everything from House of Cards to Fuller House. They, I mean, they they have the entire spectrum, and that's kind of what I was trying to say. Which is, it feels like there's a scenario where Apple can have some of these HBO like mature shows, but then have plenty of other offerings which are more of the Fuller House variety. And then their reputation becomes a you know media service that's got a diversified collection of content that kind of appeals to everybody, which is very much the like the Disney strategy. Like Disney and Apple are compared all the time, and you know that that's exactly what Disney's really to you know use your phrase pivoted towards in more recent years. Where like I really think you you kind of tra- I know you're going to laugh a little bit, but I think this is true. Like you kind of trace this to the Pirates of the Caribbean movies in the early 2000s. I'm serious. Like, follow me here. Where I, I, I know. But... Those were PG-13, dark, kind of edgy movies, which at the time was very much a new thing for Disney. And now, I mean, they've taken that all the way to the extreme with producing... Um, you're not going to probably be familiar with these, but there's a superhero called Deadpool, uh, which yeah. is an, an, an R-rated... Um, is that made by Disney? It's produced by Disney. I think it's 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 um distributed by Fox. Um it's it's you know, it's it's one of those Marvel characters kind of like Spider-Man which is it kind of, you know, depending on the distribution medium kind of is owned by different companies. Mm-hmm. Um but I Disney's involved somehow. Um and you know, that's that's content that they're comfortable with and like, you know, going back to the Star Wars conversation, like the the movies have been generally fairly dark, and this John Favreau live action TV show that's going to be released with the streaming service is probably going to be a bit on the darker side. So, like Disney's not afraid to put out stuff like this, and they, you know, they haven't built up an HBO like reputation because they still have Pixar and they still have all of their original animated characters. Like they're they're doing plenty of other content as well. So I. It it's it seems kind of silly to me to just out just com- you know completely dismiss any kind of um, mature content. Yeah, that, that that's absolutely fair. But again, I'm going to be extra critical on Apple only because this is something that's as you would say not in their wheel wheelhouse at all, mm. and is not a business they need to be in at all. I know they really want to be hard as a, a be big in services and get additional revenue for people, but like this is they they do not need to be bothering with this. And if they want to do it in a weird way where they're basically just making stuff that could air on the CW and is not like it is not like terribly interesting, then 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 why even bother? So, all right. Do you have anything else to follow up? I think that's it. Okay, let's talk about happy stuff. Hmm. Uh, this past weekend or on a Friday, eh, Friday start of the weekend, uh, we went to see. Uh, there was a part of City Arts and Lectures in San Francisco. There was um, they brought the New York Times and the Daily to town. The the feeling New York Times, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that that was super fun, and they had they had uh, Annie Brown. One is she the executive producer? What, what's her title on the show? She is a producer. I don't I don't know her exact title. So yeah, so she was great. Uh, they had uh, Kevin Roos, who is kind of the technology slash weird internet. No, no, weird internet being 
No, by by his frame. by his own description. <laughs> no, but I was gonna say weird internet guy, and it sounds like weird is a, is a is an adjective on him, not mm. weird internet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then uh, some guy named Michael Barbaro. So yeah, so it, mm. it was. Yeah, I think he's got a future in, in this thing. <laughs> so yeah, but it was it was super fun, and um, I wanted to bring it up mainly to ask a, a question about. Of, of the last because at the very end of the after they did kind of like a 50 minute like back and forth on and they did kind of a this american life thing where they come armed with like clips from shows and they talk about it um but somebody during the q a session had had brought up a really 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 well phrased question do you remember what it was i mean there were a handful of really good questions i thought so i don't know which one you're referring to yeah, there were there were, and there was, but the main one I'm talking about is that somebody asked at the very end. I forget how she phrased it, but it was something about like, how do you ensure that you're not just feeding into an echo chamber of ideas, and how do you how do you make sure that the daily is not just basically something that the left listens to and it's confirming everything they already think, and they're like, okay, the 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 newspaper of record agrees with what I think, everything's great, I'm going to go about my day and, and go buy my $6 coffee. Yeah, no, it, it was, you're right. They, they're, I think they phrased the question such where they said that, you know, hey, because you had this existing newspaper business, you knew your audience really well because you, you knew your initial audience was going to be those same people who read your paper. So how do you sort of break out of just catering to those people and instead challenge their assumptions and beliefs and kind of reach out to a broader audience um and i i i guess they they didn't they kind of had a a bit of a i mean that's a hard question to answer succinctly so they they kind of went in a, a handful of different places um i mean i would say from like my perspective i've never really viewed the daily as a partisan program like to me it's not really it's not really a show that has an agenda or is trying to come to a certain conclusion. Like you don't really leave an episode and think like, oh, okay, that, you know, that's the opinion of the show. They want me to think this. Instead, it's here is a story or here is some news. Here are various opinions about said story or news. Here are some kind of interesting questions that maybe nobody else is asking. And then you're, you know, like they kind of even joked with a lot of like the episodes that Kevin ruses on. They sort of like literally end the episode with kind of an open-ended question that's not really meant to have an easy answer to it. Yeah, his stoner thoughts. <laughs> right. And in a lot of ways. Read really well. Yeah. Um, in a lot of ways, even episodes that don't explicitly end with a question like that leave you with kind of the same feeling where you're left to kind of ask those questions almost yourself and, and kind of think through, you know, what you think about the story. I would say most of that's true, but I also think that that question was partially rooted in this weird phenomenon that I th- that, that Fox news sort of in, in cable news has, has really pushed upon where like there's, and this is a term that's gotten really loaded recently and, and probably is meaningless but like false equivalency where there's like where it's it's presumed that there's always two distinct sides to an issue and that you just need to have people talk it out and that's where 
it that's not really the case like i mean and I, and i think that's the tricky part where uh, like even i sent you a link where on i think it was tuesday's episode of the daily they had um a, a times opinion columnist who's maybe more to the right of center than than most people anybody would read in the times who was trying to give kind of some of the conservative opinions or kind of like maybe what people in the GOP are thinking uh, on the spectrum of uh, reactions to the Kavanaugh accusations and stuff like that. So I think it's, it's more like it was, it was a really well asked question about like, how do you ensure you're not making a program that's just all anti-Trump all the time, or that's taking up like causes of the left and framing it in a way where you're telling a story in a way that's going to resonate and respond well to your audience, rather than discussing the nuance and the um, the the like the muddy considerations you might have to make on an issue that's not black and white, which I think the Daily actually does a fairly good job of. Yeah, I I do too. Again, I I really don't I don't view the Daily as as having a overtly partisan agenda. Well, I think like, so if they do a story about, uh, about climate change and like, I mean, like, so it, I'm not trying to bring up like the coal miner episode, but like, if, I think that's one where you could say like, are, are, I know what the truth about climate change is, but like, there's some people who'd be like, oh yeah, are, are you presenting the, the alleged science on the other side? Or like where people feel that maybe that concern is overblown. Which it's not, but like I, I mean, I would say they are because they I mean they had Scott Pruitt on the program. I mean, how what what I mean, what more would you want them to do? Yeah, but e- yeah, but even by his own admission, he he was kind of like maybe I was the most qualified person to to ask the questions about that. But like in the thing where the left, uh, like where a lot of again, most of the people listening to the Daily and who uh, subscribe and read the Times are probably left of center. Where he he gets a, a ton of pushback for um, not being critical enough or um, pushing back on that interview that he did with people who are not necessarily thinking of the environmental ramifications and thinking about what the industry of of coal mining has done to a specific area. So I think it's just a really hard question, but that it was actually well asked and well answered. One, it's probably a sign that the Daily actually is doing what it's set out to do with the fact that you've got people kind of from all sides of the pol- the political spectrum who sometimes question what they do. So that probably means they're doing something right. Yeah. Uh, do you have anything else on that event or not really? It was, I thought the format was excellent. It was a good balance between being structured, but also not feeling overly scripted. Um, as we've said, I thought the, the Q and a section was, was really, really good. Yes. I get a little nervous with <laughs> Q and a just because it, like people who ask just kind of poor questions, it just is kind of cringe worthy. I, but I didn't think there was any of that. Um, so can, can I real quick put you on the spot? Mm-hmm. Um, generally whenever Q and a questions come up, I'm usually thinking, well, what question would I ask? D- did you have one? I didn't. I I thought that maybe I should have one, but no, I I didn't really come up with anything great. Hmm. Did you? Uh, not really. I did have one, which I think is probably not actually a good question, but I'm actually very interested in thinking. Um, do people who work at the Times find the failing New York Times joke funny, 
or or sad or or upsetting like you know what i mean i think that that probably would have gotten a pretty good laugh from the audience but no, but, I, but i actually mean that like earnestly like is it does does that motivate you when you have because like with this whole like because like pew and a bunch of people will do a bunch of opinion polls and stuff about how like there was one really upsetting one like three months ago where it's like how often do you think the media misrepresents facts to shape a liberal narrative and honestly it was like 40 percent of the country said yes like and it was just it was it was madness where i like i honestly want to know like do people who actually work at the times or the washington post actually think that eh, that's that's funny or do they actually find it concerning where that is kind of this um dog whistle to a certain segment of the population to be like this is what the media is trying to to undermine work that this part of the government like like yeah like do they find it concerning or do they find it funny or not or neither hmm. yeah i think i think that would have been a good question yeah anyway hopefully they come back yeah i i would definitely i would go again yeah yeah frisco loves the daily mm. um yeah uh real let's let's bro because i really want to talk about OmniFocus three uh do you want to talk about some uh audio media news that you have labeled backstage but i think we covered last time that that is actually the name of pandora's <laughs> internal like uh company blog and that uh it seems like copyright well it, it it might not be anymore because uh, uh sirius xm has officially purchased pandora uh, Sirius had taken a, I forget if it was a, a 10 or a 15% stake in the company going back a couple of years now. Did they, and was this after KKR did their weird investment or before? It was kind of like around the same time, I think. I might have actually even been part of the same transaction. I, I, I forget. Um, but now Sirius has acquired um, the rest of the company or at least has uh, proposed to. I guess there's some kind of period now where Pandora is going to be able to go out and shop itself to see if there are any other offers uh so this is a 3.5 billion all stock deal um each share of pandora is worth something like 1.44 shares of sirius um it's you know it's been kind of a long time coming um i think the writing the writing's been on the wall for a long time and this is kind of i think what everybody assumed that sirius was eventually going to do when they made their initial investment. Um, it seems like on paper, it kind of makes some sense. There's definitely some, um, as you would point out, synergies that could come about combining these two companies. But, um, you know, as a lot of other people have pointed out, it, it, it feels kind of weird to, sh to try to shoehorn this legacy shrinking satellite radio business into kind of the, you know, the modern or even kind of future of music. Um, so there's, you know, there's a lot of interesting possibilities, but also a lot of questions that need to be answered. Is Sirius XM really shrinking? I mean, I don't think satellite radio subscriptions are growing. I don't know that like, yeah, I, Pandora is, 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 is a challenging, weird company in that they're not going to win at streaming ever. They don't seem necessarily all that interested in the radio part of it, whether it be ad supported or Pandora One or Pandora Plus, whatever, whatever the um, the five dollar month one is. And it's a really good product, though. 
and like like necessarily what does Sirius want with that since they have their their core business which like i don't think they're thinking okay let's get some internet properties and then we're just going to wind down and fold up this uh satellite radio thing so i don't know there are some synergies to be had but i'm interested to see what they actually want to do with it because like pandora's radio product is actually very very good but i've been i don't like i just i i'm bummed that they've leaned so heavily into a um uh third rate third rate's the wrong word but not best in class streaming music product at the expense of the radio one in a uh like for for a product with a business model that is extremely hard to succeed in as spotify will show you and when you have competitors like amazon and apple who don't care about making money and can offer that same service where that's not their only business yeah, I mean, I, 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 you know, my my take on Pandora remains the same that it's been for a while, which is I, I really, I really like it. I've always liked the radio part. I've always wished that there was an on-demand portion, so that I, instead of having on-demand music over here in one app and then radio over in a different app, I could just have everything in the same app. And now with Pandora Premium, I do, and I, you know, I find the radio portion to be, you know, as as good as it's ever been it's like it's it's the same as it's always ever been and i think the on-demand part's really good so i you know maybe i'm a simpleton when it comes to streaming music no, but i no i i think i'm i'm abnormally harsh on it just because they have zero intention of making a mac app and hell do they even have an ipad app yeah they do okay but like but the web browser based thing is do they well, actually do they have a, a web web app yet or still no well, so so they they've updated the the it's not really a web app, but it's they they've updated their website to support all of the premium on demand um, features, and it has like the same UI and everything now. Yeah. Um. And I yeah I I think the iPad also supports it. It wasn't a weird situation where when they rolled out premium. It was like only it only available. worked on the iPhone, which is which is madness. Yeah, which was a very disjointed bad experience but but they've now gotten it in a place where yeah I, I think it's phone tablet and web it's definitely web and phone i mean that's that's where i use it um, and and just and and on that note like the, what bums me out a little bit and why i'm kind of like i feel like aunt pandora should be doing better is people will remember that um pandora bought like the husk of rdo like uh three years ago and they had an insanely good app on iphone ipad and mac you're so so so, yeah, so how, how it regresses okay i understand you're remembering the, that you're remembering that in some if it worked if it worked i remember the thing where rdo's app would you tap on a song and it would play literally a different song <laughs> i remember that i remember that <laughs> i had many upset gym runs with that but they tried and they had a very functional mac app that is nowhere to be found so i, I will I was actually literally just thinking about this today because i i listen to pandora a lot when i'm in the office um, and the reason I thought about a native um, Pandora app was because one of the benefits of switching to the podcast app on iOS, and actually this is, I guess this is kind of some follow-up too, because you had asked, I think last week, if your progress in the podcast app synced to um, podcasts in iTunes. And at, last week I hadn't tried that, so I didn't know what the answer was, but I tr tried that this week 
And the answer is totally yes. It syncs exactly the same way as it does between the watch and phone or phone and iPad. Like it, it's just another device, basically. I mean, podcasts still live inside of iTunes instead of like a separate app, which is kind of weird. But that aside, the syncing works perfectly. And it was the first time that I had used a native music app uh, on the Mac in a long time. And I was reminded how much better that is than just using the web, um, especially when you're using AirPods. Because when, you're, when you have a native app, you get all the cool stuff like the music auto-pausing when you take your headphones out, um, features like that, which you don't get when you're just using a, a website. So yeah, it, it is a real shame they don't have a native app. I, I agree with you there. I accept your apology <laughs> because you, for the past year, have been giving me so much shit for listening to podcasts on my computer. Well, so yeah, we haven't talked about this on air or really off air much, but as a way of trying to climb out of my podcast debt, which kind of given all the traveling and events over the summer has really gotten out of control because there was basically like a three-week period where I was already behind on my podcasts going into that period and then did not listen to any podcasts <laughs> during that period. So, Wait, you mean when you when you were with, with your, your new wife making pizza in Rome, you weren't popping in AirPods being like, I, I listen to Bill Simmons? <laughs> I, I wasn't doing that, no. Uh, <laughs> um, so, you know, as a way of trying to catch up a bit, I've, I have been trying to listen to podcasts um, a bit while I work. It still doesn't really go all that well for me, but what I have been really trying to stick to and giving an honest try is kind of separating out podcasts between those that I feel like need my full attention versus podcasts that I can just kind of have a little bit more in the background. And if I don't catch every word, it's okay. So like, you know, Upgrade, 538, those are, those are shows that you, those need my full attention. Oh, there we go. Um, <laughs> uh, but like, you know, the couple of like the video game podcasts that I listen to, <laughs> I still love dearly, but I, I don't need... But I don't, Mar Mario's not going to die if you don't <laughs> listen to everyone. Right. So those, those are the ones that I've been kind of having on in the background. And it, it really actually has been a tremendous way to, to get caught up. And like the kind of the way that I think about it too is basically the shows that I can put on in the background like that have almost become ones that kind of the two options are just not listening to them at all mm -hmm. or having them on in the background and still catching that's say 50 to 75% of what's said. Mm -hmm. So that, you know. And, and if you come across something interesting, you can back up. It, which I, which I, yeah, exactly. Which I, which I totally do. Um, so. Yeah, I've been doing that for the past month or so, kind of since I've gotten back. And again, it's it's mixtures. All it kind of has to be the right combination where I need to be working on something that also doesn't like need like a thousand percent focus. Like maybe like typically like a, like a task that I've done before. Where if you have you like know, some repetitive stuff to do in Excel, like that, that's the prime time to do it. Precisely. But if you're trying um, to write an email and and Alt Tab or Command Tab back and forth between a bunch of stuff. That's when you're either going to completely lose your place in the podcast and rewind five minutes, or you're going to just pause it. Oh yeah, I know. Any, I mean, anytime I'm writing something, like basically any time that Word is open, like that podcasts have to go off. Um, mm. Not pages. Mm. No, not pages. Um, 
Yeah. So I've been been giving that another try and it's it's been okay. Good. All right. Um very proud. Uh and then something uh is Spotify. Did you do anything else on Pandora or that's pretty much it? I think that was it. All right. Uh Pand of oh, what's the other one? Spotify's um doing well so there were two articles one of which uh has fallen off the docket and what we'll, maybe you'll look it up but there's a thing about um like what what is what is spotify's end game here of like how do they like because if they just keep paying bmg and warner music and all these people for um music rights like uh, being just a middleman is probably not going to be a good long-term business strategy so one of the first like real ways they've been trying to address this actually came out this week where you'll put a link in the notes but billboard reports that spotify is now allowing uh independent artists to upload music directly to the service bypassing labels and distributors which is really cool and makes sense where if you can cut out uh, a, a middleman skimming a whole bunch of money off the top and and taking a big part of the um streaming royalties like that that's a good way to um as uh, uh, Chip Gaines would say, uh, like right side your business. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Or, or you have immediate upside on this house because I because I did I did the math and, they, and, get, <laughs> and we have four thousand dollars left over to play with and now you get you get your fancy backsplash and bathroom. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this makes total sense. Where my my whole point for uh, to counter your pessimism or or your your reality check about the streaming music business is that either Spotify has to itself become kind of like Netflix where they're the creator or at least the people bankrolling a bunch of the music content that's on their service. And if let's say Spotify artists are the ones creating or like generating the most um, plays and overall listen time, well, they're just paying themselves and, and that's, that works out just fine. Or they can find a way to work out certain parts of the, they're they're like Casper. They're working out the the greedy mattress salespeople, and they're finding a way to get mattresses directly to to consumers. So Spotify is 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 moving songs directly to consumers rather than having to go through um, uh, the record labels. So it makes sense. It, well, okay, it, it it totally on paper makes sense, but I I continue to be really skeptical of whether this is going to work. So we, we've we've talked about this before, and we've used the Netflix example before, where, you know, what makes Netflix's original content work is that it's really really good, and it's it's sort of become some of the most desired content out there, and so that that's the same thing. I mean, I'm not saying anything original here. Like that, that's the same thing would have to happen here, where a program like this is going to have to have some of the top tier artists that people really want to listen to sign up through it in order to, to pique people's interests. And I, you know, I think a big difference between the music industry and both the movie and TV industry, which is obviously what Netflix came in and changed is even prior to Netflix movie and TV content was fairly, um, diverse meaning that it wasn't just like two or three channels that owned you know 90 percent of the content that people wanted to watch there's your local tv stations there are your cable stations there's dozens of successful movie studios um whereas in music it's totally different it's 
you know, three major labels that basically control everything and have an absolute iron fist grip over the entire industry, streaming, live shows, everything. And that's that's going to be a lot harder to disrupt. And you really need to disrupt it in order for this to to have a chance of success. Like it's it's great that they're supporting like indie artists and they're you're giving those types of artists a ton more exposure than they otherwise would. I I think that's a great thing and I don't mean to like diminish that, but I'm also a little skeptical that Spotify is going to put like Sony Music out of business. I'm gonna I'm gonna push back on you where I think I don't think it's gonna be an overnight thing, but so the, there's a few things to this. So one artists like Adele and Taylor Swift, like which who who are the big two that we always bring up, like eventually their fame will wane. Like so if you think about 20 years ago before Napster and all that other kind of stuff when you think about the prices that uh the record labels were able to command and just how much music was created by like a small number of like i i think music tastes and how much music people are listening to has gone way up in terms of diversity of like the number of artists compared to like the 90s which was like the golden age for like the like record labels where like if you ever like watched the Grammys or something like there, there were all these huge huge artists that were selling ten million albums of whatever they were they were doing like that's not necessarily the case anymore. I think people are listening to more music and from different artists than ever before. And as new artists come up who become popular, if they end up getting signed or get direct deals from uh from spotify or things like this or they publish independently and don't feel the need to go with a gigantic music label and that initial draw of big payday for a an album that you're going to create like i i think things can change i think the music industry is very different than it was 20 years ago and i'm not just saying that it's moved from uh record and disc sales to streaming royalties i think I, I I would push back on that. I think it's it's a much harder battle than it was for um, video content. No, I think you're absolutely right with that. But I don't think it's insurmountable. And I think even if it's not Spotify that does it, it's it's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not saying it's impossible and that it won't happen. I'm just I'm just saying be a like little temper expectations. Here. Oh, yeah. oh, most oh, most definitely. But I don't. I, I don't think Spotify is apps. I'm not putting words in your mouth, but maybe you'll listen to old episodes. But your your uh, uh, read on this has been Spotify is doomed because Apple's going to crush them, and this is a terrible business model. Is that fair? Mostly. Um. Why well, I, I was mostly just saying when they were a private company, like let's 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 be careful out there, and before we actually see the numbers, let's let's not just. F- fall over ourselves praising how great the company is like let's actually look at the financials and i i I think by and large i mean it's been shown that they continue to lose money hand over fist Mm -hmm. and you know i don't think we're going to have time for that topic today but there is there is a bigger topic that we want to get to which is this kind of idea that more more and more of the products and services that we use today are on completely unsustainable business models 
you know what I like is that you can, inside your Money Losing Uber, you can uh, connect your Spotify playlist. So you can just have a VC-funded um, – well, actually, no, no. Spotify now, it's it's technically public market funded. Uh, anyway. All right. So let's 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 move on from this. We'll we'll try to workshop another name uh, for Backstage because, yeah, that's 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 now the, probably the proper, property of Sirius XM. Tesla doesn't incorporate satellite radio, do they? They not satellite radio. They everything's streaming with them. So they have like a uh, tune-in integration that you can stream music, radio stations, podcasts, all that stuff. So you're gonna miss one of the uh, like the birthrights of, of of having a new car, which is getting angry letters from Sirius XM complaining that you didn't sign up for their free trial. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, because Ford probably had that, and then they'll just send you three letters a month for until you die. And they yeah they they totally did yeah. And they do the Ted Cruz thing where they pretend like it's some legal thing, like to try to get you to open the letter. It's very sketchy. Mm-hmm. Uh, continuing on the car thing, let's let's uh, blow through a couple of quick stories. Um, Audi has actually two of these related to Audi. So they have a new model called the e-tron, which used to be a subset of the A3, but now they're going up market with it. And they are doing a uh, a knockoff of the Tesla style. Uh, hey, give us a thousand dollars, and we'll 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 pretend we're making a car for you, and we'll call, <laughs> and we'll call you in a couple of years, and who knows if something's going on. It's too. Uh, is that, is still, that fair? It's still too soon. <laughs> the, the scars are still there. Also, not to not to stick my finger in your eye or anything like that, but um, I do like where everybody started getting their cars like this summer, and now apparently it's just like it's like you. Like buying some sheets at Target, where you can just get a, t- a Model Three if you want to for just nothing, as long as you're not buying the base model. Oh yeah, no, I. It's actually a a, a, a friend uh, texted me the other day saying that her uh, mom had just put in an order for one, and she's getting it in like three weeks or something. I just find it so funny that people like waited for two years, and basically, if you still want the cheap one, you're still waiting. But if you're okay with getting the model that everybody else was allowed to buy. Yeah, you can just basically just go and get one in three weeks. Right. It's fine. The, the timing for me could not have been any better. So Sure, yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah, Elon, Elon slept on the floor of a factory for you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And probably did some really offensive things while doing it. <laughs> um, so Audi is making the e-tron model, which, yeah, so you can put a $1,000 refundable deposit on. And it's a car that starts at $75,000, uh, looks funky, but doesn't look like BMW i3 funky, so I guess we'll give them that. Um, and yeah, it's it's gonna it's it looks like, it's kind of like an, a crossover between an A4 all road and maybe like a Q5, and it's gonna be their first um, mass market uh, electric vehicle. And the more electric cars are that are on the road is, is great, and this is good, probably. Yeah, I mean, I'm I mostly put this in the thing because I wanted to get your take. Um, in the sense that you are someone who, yeah, it's fair to say you're a fan of Audi. Um, yeah. You are, you know, at least vaguely interested in electric cars, mm-hmm. and you know you're not imminently buying a new car, but it's something you're probably starting to think about. Yeah, like it's fine. Like I really hope there are things that are not the Model Three in a few years, because the Model Three is, is is fine. Like I'm I'm happy about that. And um, also, a quick quick tangent. Does your is does your Model Three not have any badging on the back? It does not. No, that is a really nice, tasteful choice for a company that does. This is a weird backhanded compliment, but for Tesla, the company that is not known for making reserved design choices, that looks really nice. 
Yeah, I, I had a friend who saw the car shortly after I got it, who kind of described it as clean, which I which I thought was a, a very good description. Yeah, I, I don't, I still really don't like the way the door handles look, but everything else about the car, like it a lot. Yeah, door handles are funky. I I, I really like the door handles, but yeah, they, they they they. I like that they're a lot thinner than they are on the Model S, but I don't like the shape of them. They're uh. but they're they're very very satisfying. Like the feel of them is very satisfying. But and also, I was looking at a thing online a couple. I forget when I was what brought it up. But do they rather than having kind of like a fake? Um, it's not a gas door. What, what's the thing called? Like the little thing that you pop out to put gas in a car. What's the gas tank cover called? The gas cap? No, the the little door. The... the yeah, it it has, what's it called? Anyway, that thing. On the Model S, or on the Model 3, is it kind of integrated into, like, the rear taillight? Yeah, I mean, you you literally wouldn't know where it is until you see it open. That's cool. Yeah, it's very, it's very cool. Not discoverable if you don't know what's there. But well, I, I assume on the first night you'd figure it out because you can't do anything without it. But uh, yeah, that looks really nice. Yeah, it, it looks it looks great. Uh, the g- gas cap, right? That's no, that... the gas cap is a like the thing that actually covers like the raw tank and doesn't let vapors ex- escape. Oh my god, what is it called? Gas tank cover. Google always knows. Fuel door, maybe. Yeah, fuel door. There yeah, we okay. Go. Okay. What we're talking about? Oh yeah, so the e-tron it looks fine. It it looks a little like they're leaning a little too hard on the uh, the futury side of things, but it doesn't it doesn't look that bad. So good for them. Yeah, I, I think it's it's fine. I don't think it's it's particularly remarkable one way or the other. Yeah, I'm kind of even though I'm I'm kind of sour on BMW. They are making the new BMW iX3, and I think that one actually looks pretty pretty nice. Um, so they, they have, they, they haven't really said much about, um, like this isn't going to have any sort of new driver assistant packages or anything, right? Like there is a heads up display, but the BMW or the Audi, the Audi. No, I assume it's going to be their same current, like it has the traffic jam assist thing, but I don't think it's going to be anything like, um, what Tesla promises, but it has had to backtrack hard on. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) phrase that in a very specifically kind of mean way but yeah like well because after uh it's like it feels like ancient history but like uh there were a couple of high profile accidents um in late 2017 where tesla massively scaled back what they promise um and advertise autopilot is capable of doing yeah i mean it's uh i, I think we've i think i've expl- pretty explicitly mentioned this on the show but you know having had some more time with autopilot like it it's really good the Adaptive cruise control is much, much better than the lane centering portion. You had said that, um, or maybe this was somebody else, where uh, the auto steer feels like you're in the car with like a teenage driver. Um, where where I, I, where it's it's a little it's it's abrupt and a little jerky. I I actually no that doesn't that didn't come from me because that's not how I would describe it. I, I would just say it's inconsistent. It works really really well sometimes. It it's just so so other times um so anyway it's a way of saying that i i can i can definitely see how autopilot can be 
dangerous if it's not carefully monitored. Like the idea of turning it on and then like hopping in my back seat is terrifying. Like I, I cannot believe that that's something that people do. Like I, I am very much fully engaged when I have it turned on. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think to the point where does, didn't Tesla put a uh, force out a software update where if you don't have your hands actively on the wheel for like every 20 or 30 seconds, it gets really mad at you and pulls over. Well, yeah. And it's, it's not even just like having your hands on the wheel. Like that's not enough. Like it actually needs to, to detect that you have like a grip like on the wheel. Put. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so there's that. And then there's also a quick story where, um, Audi is the, the latest entrant into like that weird subscription car service, like, uh, Porsche and Cadillac and a few others have done this thing where you just pay an absurd amount of money per month and you just get to have whatever car you want. Yeah. I don't think it's that interesting. It's $1,400. It's just, and it's only available in Texas. So God, that's a, that's a lot of money. I'm looking at this, the Verge page. Is this actually Robert Mueller? I, I, everything that I've seen today make it seem like it's legit. It came from a, um, it came from a reporter. It's not a, not some random picture. Yeah. Yeah. He's still probably mad about Apple music. <laughs> um, he can't figure out how to turn on dark mode. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Even though he's investigating dark mode. Mm. Um, um, all right, we get, we got to get we got to get to OmniFocus three. Okay, uh, well, actually, since we're at uh, yeah, let's talk about that first. Okay, I, I, I want okay, let's rearrange. I want to know why you're why you flip flop on cases. Oh, because I don't want to push this away. Because so you you purchased a, a comically oversized phone that you are very happy with. Yes. Oh my but god! I wanted, forgot, we haven't even talked about the new phone. No, watches it's okay. Things. There's nothing to talk about with your phone other than it's really big. But I want to know about your. <laughs> I want to know about your uh, your uh, John Kerry flip flopping on cases. So I think you explicitly asked me the question when we saw each other on Friday, which was which was my first day with the phone. Um, so are, are you going to put a case on it? And I I laughed at you and said cases are dumb. And no, of course I'm not going to. Very accurate. Um, my feelings were hurt. <laughs> um, I you know I I haven't had a, a case on my phone in, in a long time. Um, but I had pretty seriously dropped my iPhone 10 a couple of times. Uh, fortunately, it didn't do any sort of serious damage to the phone. Um, and it was kind of near the, the kind of in the, the midsummer. So I knew, I knew a new phone was coming. Um, but then prior to that with my 7 Plus, I, you know, I, I had dropped that to the point where I had, I had to have that replaced. So this had been kind of a recurring thing where I, these phones had been dropped and, you know, had been damaged in some way or another. Um, and so sure enough on Saturday, um, the, oh, no. no, no, it, it's, it's fine. It's fine. But the, my new, the 10 S max, which I embarrassingly called the XS max when I went into the Apple store, yes. it, it was so, yes. so bad. And the guy corrected me too. And I was like, oh. fuck him. No, uh, but no, your company doesn't get to name something dumb. <laughs> You can't try to force a Roman numeral and then a regular line. Get out of here. How yeah. dare he? Well, you know, he did it like, he didn't do it like in a snooty way or anything, but. How how would you do it in a non-snooty way? Is it just when he's like, oh, here's where the 10S Max cases are? Yeah, it was, yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> but anyway, um, it, on Saturday, it uh, it fell out of my pocket again, 
which um and it it, it but it was again it was fine it, it fell just a very small distance there you know no, nothing was harmed um but it was like one of those things where i'm like those all right are, you're tempting fate a lot yeah all right this has got to be this has got to be fixed um and i even like said okay if apple has a like a nice um green color leather case i i will buy that immediately so like later that night i I went on to apple's uh website and sure enough they have a forest green leather case it's a really really nice color Uh, i picked that up uh yesterday Ooh. um and i really really like it it you know the criticism of apple's cases have always been they're a little too thick and they they do make the phone feel a little bit bigger um, and, and, and all that, I think all that's totally, I think that's totally true. The leather case is probably a little thicker than it needs to be. Yeah, but it um, makes the, the camera bump totally flush. So it that's does. That's a huge win. Correct. That's- yeah. I think that would be the best counterpoint to people who say the cases are too thick. Um, but yeah, I'm really, really happy with the color, the feel, um, kind of everything about the case. Like there's really, there's very little downside to, to having it on. And I, I just, I feel feel so much more confident with it on um a lot of it's probably just a placebo effect but <laughs> um you know again i've only had it for a day so you know we'll, we'll see how i live with it over the next you know couple of months but um initial impressions are really really positive um and i apologize to you for making fun of you for having a case okay apology accepted <laughs> i just i I was all in on doing my red iPhone 8 because I was like, this color is beautiful um, without a case. But then I, uh, I had a couple of close calls and I was like, no, I have to get at least a bumper for it. And when I was in Chicago, I dropped, my, I dropped the phone. Like I had a really bad accident with it. And without that bumper, that phone would have been dead. Yeah. So I'm uh, – yeah, the bumper ended up being super, super scraped and dented. So yeah, so that was um, – a good call. Yeah, like I think and also I know you're super into into this phone and you don't find it as big as it as it is. Um but it just seems so fragile. Not not that it's like super breakable, it's just but it's just it's all screen and all glass and it's also kind of a dense phone where it just feels like a recipe for disaster without a case. Yeah, it's and it's just it's um particularly with the uh 10s Max, it's just it it is just like all of the other Apple's kind of more modern phones. It's just a, it's a little slippery, mm-hmm. which is kind of magnified given the size of the phone. So like I'm I'm holding it like right now, and just with this case on it, it just it feels so much more stable and sturdy yeah. in my hand. Yeah. Only bummer is that. Well, I'll I'll let you figure it out. What's that? Uh just the, the Apple leather cases don't. Well, they 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 wear uh, they wear beautifully. Uh, but they also hand oils destroy them after a month. Mm, but yeah, right. that forest green. Um, not to pivot to the watch real quick because we are going to get to OmniFocus. The forest green leather loop is calling my name. I want that really badly because it's a really nice shade of green. So it's funny you bring that up because oh, God damn it. I, well, no, I, I I did not buy it. Um, but did you see it in store? I I didn't see it in the store. I actually even just saw it on the website and thought like, oh man, that looks really nice because I knew I really liked this color. Yeah, because um, I got the blue one and the green looks really. Do, do you good. have the you have the Apple one? I do. 
Okay. Upsettingly, it, it doesn't. The, well, it doesn't. Now that they move from like the rounded forty-four or whatever, uh, the thing does not fit right. Hmm. The little lugs thing, because it's not the same shape, it does not fit as well as it's supposed to. But whatever. So the, is is it really is it really worth one hundred and forty-nine dollars? No. Okay. It's nice though because I. Well, again, we'll get to the watch stuff. That is currently the watch band I'm using with um, my Series Four right now. And the leather loop is the best fit one. I don't know why, but I just I'm not feeling the uh, the sport loops right now, or the 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 sport band, the sport loop. No, but the sport loop nobody should feel. But the sport band is, I don't know, because the 44 is too darn big. All right, do you just want to talk about this now, and then we'll get to OmniFocus in a minute? Let's yeah. So actually, so let okay, so let let's 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 map this out. So we've got mm-hmm. the the watch. Any other small things you want to talk about with the phone? OmniFocus 3, Chef Special, get out of here. Yeah, OmniFocus 3 will only take an hour. <laughs> so let, 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 let's figure out, because I've got a lot of anger. So let's, how do you want to structure the watch dis- discussion? Um, there's the watch, there's the, the bands, and then there's the software. So I get, I mean, let's start with the watch itself, uh-huh. which I think you got to talk about the, the screen size, because that's by far and away the, the biggest difference here. I don't, I don't like it. It's, it's too big. Too big. And you, you, you got the 44? I did because I wanted to use my old bands. Mm. And I had, I, I was, before I ordered, I was exposed to both. And like, the 40 is still a touch too small. And it's probably just a, a function of I had been wearing, and even though it went through multiple generations, I had been wearing and staring at the same sized object for three years. So any change is kind of jarring. But it, it's just a touch too big for my wrist size. But 40, 40 millimeters is now too small. So, how's it fit for you? I really like it. Um, you know, we... Um, I, I, I've, you know, I'm extremely happy with both the increased screen size on the phone and the watch. Um, this, I mean, that even just myself from a couple of years ago would be kind of just baffled by all of this but i've i've really really embraced kind of just the the biggest screen i can get on most devices um i mean there are exceptions where i think like the 12.9 inch ipad's too big i think a 15 inch laptop is too big um but with these phones and watches at least like the the bigger the screen the better um i think this 44 millimeter watch which i'm wearing right now fits really well which i think is is mostly thanks to the um kind of narrower profile that it has like it's not a ton thinner it's just it's it's like flatter basically and i think that really helps make it feel like it fits better it definitely takes some getting used to both just in terms of the way that it feels and in the way that you interact with it like i thought jason's uh uh, example that he used where he types in his passcode incorrectly frequently now just because the screen is just oriented differently i have mm-hmm. had exactly that same experience um huh but overall i overall i really like the size one of the p- issues i have with the size and again this is probably more of a it's a different look and feel than anything else is that it it feels too most of the watch faces feel too big like, I don't know, like, the modular watch face looks, everything looks too large. 
I don't know. Like I, I will get to the software, but none of the watch faces are are really doing it for me. And part of the fa- the thing that makes it feel too big for me is that the screen going edge to edge now means that more of your wrist technically has screen on it. And I don't know why visually for, for me, that's jarring. Hmm. Um, so you, so you're all on board with it and you, so let's, which ones did we get? So you got the 44 space gray aluminum with the gray Velcro thingy. Yeah. So I got the 44 millimeter space gray with cellular aluminum. Um, with the yeah the the gray sport loop which i guess we can kind of loop <laughs> loop bands into the hardware discussion mm-hmm. um it's a really 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 poorly designed band which the thing with apple's bands is even if you don't necessarily love some of the design or look of them you have you'll acknowledge that they're very well designed that is just not the case with the sport band i it it, it looks or the sport loop rather like it it looks okay um I, I think it looks a little cheap um it's it is it's very comfortable i'll give apple that and obviously kind of it, it can fit exactly how you want it to because it doesn't really have any preset you know holes or anything it just it fits right to your wrist um but man it's 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 just really really hard to get on and off um like really really difficult to put on in particular and it's also kind of a pain in the ass with the charger that i have because i've got that charger where the watch is like below my phone and where <laughs> like every other band i've had which kind of oh, the the top and bottom separate i can just pop the watch on and off but with the sport loop because it stays together in a circle i have to like either take my phone out first or carefully kind of lift the watch with the band up over the phone. Um, so yeah, I mean, like again, once it's on, it's, it's not the best looking band, but I think it's comfortable and it's, it's fine. But just the experience of taking it on and off is just, it's not good. Yeah. That's, that seems like, yeah, kind of a bummer. Yeah. It, it, it seemed like a good idea, but it also seemed, um, yeah, fairly cheap and weirdly designed. When because when you when you like when it was like you're like oh it's partially Velcro, but it just has like these weird like sections of Velcro. Like they're not even it's not even continuous. It's just like these weird like little like adhesive things of like weird Velcro. I don't know. Yeah, it's just it's not good. Um, this is the quickly the last thing I'll say on the bands is when I was at the Apple Store the other day, I took a look at all the new sport bands because I, I really do like just the traditional sport band um although i'm i'm kind of getting away from having that just be my everyday band because they i don't know they're they are a little i don't know they're just casual yeah exactly um the the colors of of this they i don't know they call them seasons or editions or whatever (laughs) collections collections um collections are just none of them are good like I, I really want to like one of them. Like I really wanted to like the um, lavender gray one because I, I, I liked having just the darker gray band before, which they now don't sell. Um, but yeah, I just, I just don't like any of them. Yeah, because lavender gray looks too, looks looks too dark gray with like a touch of plum in it. Just not, not feeling it. 
Yeah, and they discontinued my favorite, the one that I never ended up buying. Uh, like there was a canary yellow one that I wanted really badly, but I could never muster up the the will to pay fifty dollars for it. Yeah, and, and nectarine, get out of here. That's not giant's orange. Get out. <laughs> that's not even a fall color. That's not that's not anything. I I, I hate you for bringing up this uh, forest green leather loop again. It man, the leather loop I really really like. My problem with it is that you have to be more careful when you're washing your hands, um, and you um, like I would then have to have a not that it's that much of a pain in the butt, but like have to ha- carry a spare sport loop in my gym bag, right? If I'm going to the gym, I don't know, like because I kind of like if I'm if I know I'm going to go to the gym, which spoiler over the past summer I haven't. Like you have to be more thoughtful about what band you're going to wear. Because changing out bands is not a problem, but changing out a band in the middle of the day, I I I, I don't love. No, 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 no. Um, yeah, but but I cannot say enough good things about the leather uh, the leather loop. How do you know which size to get? Uh, I have small wrists, so I go for the medium one. Yeah, okay, the medium so. one, it like hell, even on its um like proper fit, like it it's uncomfortably um too long. Oh, okay. Yeah, but for you it'd be fine because yeah, like looking at your wrist, like it your it, it the watch looked better. Or more appropriate on your wrist than it does mine. Hmm. So yeah, so I so I ended up getting the the forty four stainless steel black one uh, with the black sport band. Um, and yeah, that's it. Um, it's fine. It's too big. I'll probably get used to it, but it's still too big. Uh, forty two is perfect. This is too big. Um, uh, odd, uh, realization, not that it mattered for me, but, uh, the stainless steel one does not cut. Co- it only comes with cellular. Yeah. Not available without. I didn't, I didn't realize that until the last day or two, but yeah. Yeah. Also on the watch hardware, uh, I don't like the new Taptic engine. Yeah. Alleged. I, I, I'm like, I, I've had the sneaking like, is mine defective? It's probably not. No, but it, 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 um, is less tappy and way more vibrating. C- correct. Like, I, I've had the thing where like, cause I, uh, rel- I just use timers so much throughout my day. Cause that's my, uh, very bad productivity hack to make my brain work is that like it, it, it's too, it's too buzzy. And that was always the big thing where I would be like, because I because I, I know people who have Samsung Gear watches and a bunch and and Fitbit uh, verses and stuff, and whenever they get a notification or like a timer goes off, like you can hear it across the room, I'm like that, that that's tacky. I'm so glad the Apple Watch doesn't do that. And this one is still, if you're just getting a notification, it's still like it is fairly silent, but if your alarm is going off, it sounds super vibrating. You're 100% right, and your yours is not defective. That's that's just the way the the new Taptic engine is. Um, I I noticed it, but didn't give it a ton of thought because I've actually never liked the way that any of the Taptic engines have worked in any of the Apple Watches I've had. I've always thought they've been like in the first Apple Watch. I just thought it was not prominent enough, even with the the prominent setting turned on. I I feel like that's gotten better over time, but has never been quite what I want it to be. Like, yeah, I've 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 never really been happy with the the way that the watch vibrates. So, this is just another one that I'm not super thrilled with. Yeah. Um. Other hardware things. Um. Well, actually, let's talk about the the. I hate I hate the term unboxing, but they did something different this year, and I was wondering, like, oh, did I get a funky one? Where and this is probably smarter is that 
there is no more um like you get a box with the band like it's not it's no longer one uh set thing like you get this weird like origami cardboard bundling thing where they just it's just like an off the shelf uh like a retail packaging thing for the watch band that you select and then there's a thing for the actual watch itself right and that's that's got to be way easier for apple because now instead of having these prepackaged combinations they can kind of change them on the fly as demand um shifts and eventually they can shift to something where you can basically get any kind of band and watch combination you want like it's it's kind of in retrospect now it's kind of surprising they haven't just done this since day one it's got it's got to be better for them and it's got to be it's it's better for consumers too yeah but it also means the steel one doesn't get cooler packaging (laughs) thumbs down to that um yeah okay so i think that's it yeah it's too big uh do you want to talk about software real quick and by that i mostly mean what does your watch face look like i i do want to talk about that because i'm not happy with how my watch face looks good so go screenshot yours uh okay yeah i can i can do that all right do you want to go first you want me to go first um you can go first okay i will send you a thing and you can put it into the uh the show notes um so i switch between three watch faces because you can do the swipey thing now oh jesus (laughs) it might mine's really mine's really bad but we'll we'll get there i'm not trying to be mean this is giving me a headache what is even going on what do you mean do you want to start with mine yeah why does yours look like the the portland trailblazers logo (laughs) there's these weird like a high there's these pills on your screen so here so here is the wait what's so you have streaks and are are the is the middle complication and the lower right a different app the the like you have dots everywhere (laughs) so okay so the top right is the date uh, and then below that's the time. That's kind of the default infograph modular layout. To the left is the timer. In the middle is the carrot weather forecast view, which I, I'm I'm with you. It's not visually the greatest looking complication. I still have been meaning to see if there are any other options for it. But what I, are the purple dots representing? Uh, the moon. What does it look like during the day? It's I think blue. Or you get the the dots that are, you know, partially white and partially purple or blue to indicate partial cloud cover. So I, I think hmm. the I think the information that's shown is really useful. It's it's just not the nicest looking. I, I agree with that. Um the bottom left is blank, which we'll come back to. The bottom <laughs> middle's the activity rings, and then the bottom right is streaks. Um the reason why the bottom left is blank and actually honestly the reason why the top left is the timer is because and this is really dumb but third party applications the they need to be updated in order to support the infograph uh complication design why apple doesn't support original complications in the smaller infograph complication sections i don't know because it seems like they would work perfectly fine um 
it seems... I think it's because they're reused. Because if you use the analog infograph one where you have just like, there's like literally like nine different spots you can shove like a circular complica- complication. I think it's reusing those. Well, so yeah, I, I haven't used that one. So I guess I can't speak to that. But at least on the modular face, developers have to update their complications, which is incredibly stupid. Um, and, and just means that there are basically no third-party applications that support that yet. I mean, there's, you know, with Carrot and Streaks, like there's a couple, but um, like OmniFocus, which is the one that I really want, um, which I think is probably like my most useful complication, <clears throat> you know, they haven't updated their app yet. So, um, you know, it, it's obviously a temporary problem, but it's, it's I don't know, it's kind of kind of dumb i've I've had this general thought that i i want to put some more thinking into before we talk about it on the show but there is kind of this general problem with like new apple devices having a lot of shortcomings on the software side that need to be ironed out like the other one that i've been thinking more about is with the 10s max you know apps have to be scaled unless they've been rewritten to support um the 10s max resolution or you know unless they used apples i don't know what they call it their dynamic scaling resolution dependence or something yeah like if they haven't followed those guidelines exactly their app gets scaled which i know like on upgrade they mentioned like isn't really that big of a deal i'd push back on that i think apps that are scaled don't look very good and that isn't a great experience out of the box Mm -hmm. um and so this infograph complication thing falls into that same bucket too. Yeah, it's it's it it's pretty busy. So what's so what are your you have three watch faces to review here? Yeah. So the main one that I'm using most of the time. So just as a religious thing, I will say that I'm just super opposed to colorful watch faces because I think they look too um too Android-y. And that's where I'm I'm super bummed that in WatchOS 5, the only new watch faces other than those silly um, like fire and vapor ones is that the two that they're pushing so hard on like look kind of like design crimes. Like they're like the analog one just has so much stuff going on where Apple had to make up random stuff to to put on it, like stuff like air quality and the UV index and stuff like that, where like does it know rational person needs that stuff so like i mean yeah that that's super weird and then even with the uh, like the modular one that you showed like that's one of the things where a, a, a digital watch face seems like a super important thing um for people to 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 want to use and it's still super funky and also with the infograph uh digital or modular one they took away the option to not make it multicolored which for me is like a, is like a huge non-starter because like there's just too much stuff going on. Like I I can't imagine wearing a nice watch band and like going out somewhere and then glancing at your watch and there's like 18 different colors going on on screen. I just I just think that looks a little weird. I don't know. So yeah, the three that I have going, I have the first one is actually I think really really nice and pleasant for what it is, which is the breathe watch face which is like a nice, simple analog watch. And it luckily offers um, like monochrome complications where you can just have like the, the either your activity or a timer or, or the, as I have it, the date at the bottom. 
And then the top left corner, I have uh, sunrise, sunset, and the top right corner is um, the timer. In the middle one, I have uh, just a standard modular watch face, which is a monochrome version of uh, OmniFocus, activity, date, and timer. And on the right one, I have the pride watch face, just because it's super simple. It has really pleasing animations. Eh, eh, I, like, I mean, like socially, I think I don't know, I, like it, it's it's nice and cool to have. So I think this is a good mix to have because I I also, for distraction reasons, don't really like staring at my OmniFocus and having all that stuff all the time. So I really appreciate that you can uh, swipe right to left or left to right to move between like a core set of watch faces super easily. Much like you say that you don't like colors on your watch faces, I think any watch face that doesn't have your activity rings is madness. Like, what are you, what are you, what are you doing? Well, so that's why I have it in the middle where again, like if I want, like maybe once an hour, I'll just swipe over to the modular one just to see how am I doing on my activity and what's next on my OmniFocus if I haven't had time to check my uh, my phone in a little bit. But otherwise, I don't find it that useful to stare at my next task and see that I'm super behind on my on my activity for the day, where just seeing what's today's date, what time is it, and do I have a timer going, like that's way more valuable to me. So the fact that you can easily swipe between watch faces is is really important, and I think that's that's nice. But I am super bummed that these are the only three watch faces of like the 20 that are included that I find tolerable. The rest I feel like are just comically bad. Yeah. And the two new flagship ones, I this is so first world, but they make me so angry. Because they're because <laughs> they're so unapple like and they're also not good. Like if if you Ignore the fact that, like, you know what the watch looks like. If you, if somebody had shown you that, like, that hero marketing image that Apple has on, like, apple.com slash watch, where it has, oh, actually, they have the analog, or they have the digital face for that one. But they show the one where, yeah, the, where if you scroll down a little bit to interactive gallery, where it's showing you, yeah, timer, weather, UV index, world clock. Who needs a world clock? Who can't add plus three to the hours? I do not get that. And they keep leaning super hard into like the solar watch face in the earth. Like you don't know where you are. I, 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 I don't buy it. Yeah. I mean, you're not, you're not getting any defense from me over the Apple's watch face decisions. I mean, it's, they continue just to be not great. Last week or maybe two weeks ago, I think I pushed back on you when you were saying it was like a missed opportunity or kind of weird that to this date, we still don't have third party watch faces with how, unfathomably ugly and non-functional the infocast or infograph ones are i think let people add it because i'm not sure people could do worse i I am genuinely so upset about these i mean yeah i'm you know i'm not opposed to apple having complete control over watch faces and not making third-party watch faces available but if they're going to do that but put even the bare minimum of one that's a digital watch face come on people right um but yeah the breathe one is super pleasant like it's 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 beautiful i would recommend putting that in a rotation where just when you don't need to have a lot of info on it it's just so nice it's blue it has like this really subtle animation it's very nice and actually i don't know if i've talked about it before i really like the breathe app as somebody who sucks at meditation um 
this is a good happy medium for me. Hmm. Yeah. All right. Do you have anything else before we, <laughs> I don't know. Um, I mean, I think we've, so I, I guess the, the, I mean, obviously the other big thing is the phone. I feel like we've kind of tangentially, um, talked about that. Well, how about this? Let me, let's do some real time scheduling. We're, we're running. Wait, yeah, we can't, we, we got us, we got to table the OmniFocus stuff. Yeah, I know that so kills you, but no, no, it's fine with me. Well, let's, let's make, let's dedicate next week to being a, uh, just productivity and yeah, other stuff thing. I like that. And let's have a slightly more in-depth conversation on your fancy new phone and we'll get out of here. Okay. Yeah. I like that. Um, How do you feel about your gigantic phone? So, you know, I, I've been trying to get better about not just cribbing what they say on upgrade, but the the one time that I'll do that this week is Mike's description, which is cheesy, but I like it, which is he says it feels like he's home again. And I feel the same way um, going going from the seven plus to the iPhone 10, even though technically the screen is bigger corner to corner it's a thinner phone and it's just, I don't know, something about it just never felt quite right. They always, like, I, it felt like I was going down a size when that's not really what I wanted to do. And now being on the 10s max, you know, physically the phone is basically the same size as a plus size phone. So that's, you know, Oh, I'm already comfortable with that. But now there's the benefit that the screen goes corner to corner. So it's kind of like the best of the iPhone 10 with, what I really liked with the plus phone. So I'm really, really happy with the size. I don't find it to be too big. Again, I think because I had had a plus phone previously, because I, I definitely remember there being an adjustment period. I was pretty happy from the get go, but would be the first to acknowledge that it's a bit of an adjustment. I've already kind of had that. So going back to the, the 10s max, God, I really want to keep calling it the SS Max. It's um, fine, as you should. Um, the the form factor is great, and I'm really, really happy to um, have the bigger screen back. Um, so hardware-wise, I'm extremely happy. You know, software-wise, I've mentioned the scaling app thing. It's It's going to get fixed over time. It, you know... History has shown it takes app developers quite a while to to get up to speed, but eventually it'll be it'll be okay. I agree with Mike and Jason that the scaling issue is not as bad as it's been in the past with the plus phones, but again, I, I still think it's an issue. But again, it'll solve itself over time. Um I continue to leave True Tone on. Um it, my experience has been the same on the 10s max as it was with the 10 where some situations i think it looks really good some it's a little off but still leaving it on still giving that a try um yeah i guess i don't really know um what much else there is to say i, I guess maybe the obvious other thing is the camera i mean the, the camera is really freaking good um i haven't taken a ton of pictures yet i, I need to to take some more i need to take some more video as well but in my limited um testing so far i've been really really impressed with the camera and that that does legitimately seem like a a big improvement um but i mean i think you know overall like the the one sentence takeaway is that it's a bigger version of the iphone 10 yeah in the, in, the, in the past week where everybody's there's been more um real world feedback on on the device and stuff like that like it seems like a really weird missed opportunity where 
like yeah, the 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 camera based on both the improvements to the actual sensor and lens and that kind of stuff, and also the um, stuff they've done with the A12 and also iOS 12, where um, what's what's the BS term they're using? A, a computational photography or something like that. Um, like all the smart HDR stuff seems like it's a really big win, and and it's a, it's a really smart um, frictionless way to improve image quality with very little effort on the part of the user. And like that coupled with the actual camera itself seems really good. And it's just it's just strange that they didn't maybe lean that hard into that when they were discussing it. When that kind of like hardware wise, other than the fact that it's just a bigger screen, is kind of the only thing that's new about it. That's that's a little funky. But yeah, no, it it looks super good. I've seen a lot of examples and and it it yeah, pretty pretty envious. Yeah. I'm I'm excited to continue continue putting the camera in, in different different situations because what i've seen so far Ooh. has been really good yeah oh, sorry and uh how do you um how are you dealing with one-handed typing um so I, it actually turns out that the one-handed keyboards are an option I, I thought they didn't even include them as an option in the in the 10s max but there was a nine to five mac article today that showed how you can do it um i don't usually type with one hand so it's not really that big of an issue for me but um, I, I could, I can type one handed on, in, on this form factor just fine. It's a little bit more of a stretch than it is with the, the 10 form factor, but it still works for me. But you have to use the one handed keyboard. I uh, no, no, I can still use the regular keyboard. Wow. I, 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 I have, I have relatively big hands, so it's, it's fine for me. Yeah. You and Wayne Gretzky. <laughs> that's right. Um, okay. That's cool. Um, and I forget you, you just got space, uh, space black, space gray, right? I did. Yeah. 256. Mm -hmm. Uh, all right. Anything else to add? Uh, no, I, th I think, I think that's it. It for me. Okay. Well, glad you're back on, even though unfortunately you've, uh, um, descended back into big phone club. I'm very happy you're on case club. Yes. Um, and I think for the first time in a couple of years, I'm, I'm just, I'm really satisfied out of the box with both the watch and the phone. Um, you know, the seven, I had kind of my weird screen issues and then ended up going to the plus size. And then I was kind of un underwhelmed by the iPhone 10 sort of top to bottom. Um, the Oh, I'm sorry. Face ID. It's noticeably any different? No, it's the same. Um, I knew it. Although I've have I have I had it fail on me yet? Yeah, I don't actually. I don't think I've had it fail on me yet. Um, mm, but but to your knowledge, angles aren't really any better. Like the same situations that wouldn't have worked before. Yeah, angles angles don't seem any better, and the speed seems the same. Okay. Yeah, that's 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 a little disappointing, but meh. I mean, Face ID was fairly good for a version one yeah i i, so, I can meh. yeah it's it's fine um it's it's maybe a touch quicker but i mean, i don't know it's it's it doesn't seem significantly different to me got it all right do you want to jump into chef specials and get out here yeah let's do it um let me let me get you a a link this is going to be a very on-brand chef's corner today mm -hmm. um so this is a Apple Watch band. Um, 
And this was one, I, I think this was recommended by Imore. I, I, I want to say that was where I got this. Um, so, you know, because... It's called Marge. It's awesome. <laughs> because I didn't love any of the sport bands uh, in this collection and because I wanted something a little bit nicer as my day-to-day watch, I had my eyes on that, that you know, forest green leather loop and it may still look at that eventually, but... It's just it's hard to justify spending one hundred and forty nine dollars. So I just kind of did some searching and found this um, Marge Plus compatible Apple Watch uh, genuine leather oh, band. The description is so good. Yeah, um, it's you know it's twelve ninety nine on Amazon. Um, I actually just got it yesterday. It it looks really nice. It's really comfortable. Um, I mean, it's, you know, I, I'm sure if I went into the Apple store and saw like the the leather loop in person, like, I'm sure it would look nicer and, and probably be even more comfortable and all that. But for for $13, this is a really, really nice band. This is actually the first leather band that I've had for an Apple Watch. Hmm. Um, and yeah, I, I guess I... I don't know why, but I just I haven't explored the, the third party Apple Watch band market in a really long time. And there are just a ton of options out there. Yeah. So um you know, I, I I almost kind of make this um a pick not just for like the band itself, but just like the idea of now wanting wanting to like really go out and explore more of these third party bands. Well cool. Um please put a link to this in the show notes because uh, this Amazon page is insane. Um, are, do you still have it open? I do. Open up the second picture. So it's got an elderly couple. <laughs> it says, love is more than a word. It says so much. Send my thoughts and care to you, just like I am always with you. <laughs> I did not, and, did not notice that when I purchased it. Oh, my goodness. And then a major upgrade christmas tree christmas tree connector is upgraded that it will never fall off as the screw and screws depth is renewed and is added glue at the same time that is that it will be screwed more tightly and deeply and if you notice next to the so next to each major bullet point in the description they use emojis emoji. oh, um, and of course you know nothing says superior quality like santa claus <laughs> uh-huh <laughs> Growing heart emojis for eighteen month warranty. They will be friendly unconditionally. Oh, geez, this is ooh. Uh, and I'm sorry, you got the black or the brown one? The black. Yeah, brown. Hmm. They both look pretty good. Yeah, it's um, it's really nice. And I've got a. And again, this is why this pick is is kind of more than just this band. I, I've also got a uh, steel link bracelet band. Um, that's I think supposed to get here uh, tomorrow. Nice. Um, that again was like it was a little more expensive. It was twenty three dollars, but yeah, but you know, again, like if it if it and it, it's one of those like steel link bracelets that lo- like visually looks almost identical to Apple's. So if this thing is like of even like mediocre quality for about twenty bucks, that's going to be awesome. Yeah. Uh, cool. Um, I have related follow-up to this that we'll cover next week. 
yeah this this is this is an amazing product page <laughs> um yeah okay uh let me go to my thing i didn't actually pick one but i keep a secret slack channel where i put things that are good okay um mine is actually i haven't googled this yet it's a pick from trader joe's and of course it's on amazon for some reason oh actually no i'll send you a link from what's good at trader joe's.com seems legit uh it is a great salad dressing and it's actually a pro tip from a chef uh very very good lightly drizzled on avocado toast it is the trader joe's sweet onion and bacon vinaigrette Hmm. This is so good. And I'm always very sensitive to salt and, and, and like certain other things. So I use it so sparingly. So in terms of like a health consequence, very, very little. Um, but it's delicious. It's great on salads. It's um, phenomenal on avocado toast. Again, if you want to make the perfect avocado toast, get yourself some uh, nice uh, seeded bread. Uh, and then, you know, just mash up your avocado real nice put a little black pepper in it a tiny bit of salt in it spread it on uh, spread it on chop up a little arugula put a tiny bit of the sweet onion and bacon vinaigrette on it and then a little bit of ghost pepper flakes on it and you'll be having an amazing amazing breakfast see this this is why we're friends carlos arugula arugula on avocado toast Mm. people need to figure some stuff out people need to get get out of here with this kale nonsense and get on the good greens. Arugula, arugula, arugula is, is great. Mm, it's the best. Yeah. Uh, other uh, side pick. There's a two dollar uh, little you can get. It's called the um, wild. It's, it has a funky name. Wild rocket salad, which is just uh, wild arugula um, in a bag, and it goes great on almost any sandwich. Mm. People should always stock their fridges with that. Mm. It's very good. So yes, people should get this uh, salad dressing. Yeah, Trader Joe's. Very good. Yeah, it's the good antidote to the weird, bizarro, uh, sad place that is the post-Amazon Whole Foods. Mm. All right. And then did you actually have a related uh, Trader Joe's pick, or did you, uh, did you check it out? Um, I, 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 have to, I have to pull mine up again. It's, it's the... Um, um, give, give me a second here. That's fine. You do the editing. Well, so yeah, this, this, there's an Amazon page inexplicably yeah, for these. It's so weird that the first result for every Trader Joe's product is an Amazon page, especially for perishable items. Um, so I don't recall if I've gotten the uh, reduced guilt version of these. Maybe I have. <laughs> um, Are these Triscuits? Off-brand Triscuits? Basically. Um, they're really, really good. Um, and like Triscuits, just incredibly versatile. You, you can put... I most often just have them with cheese. Cheese and crackers is just you know a, a go-to snack for me. What kind of cheese? Um, I really like. It's called the Dubliner. They actually sell it at Trader Joe's. Huh, it's like a, it's like a cheddar. It's really good. Hmm. But I mean, I gosh, I basically like every kind of cheese except blue cheese. Don't get get blue cheese out of here. Um, Craft singles. <laughs> well, I've kind of outgrown that phase of my life, but but in my childhood, yes. Mm. Uh, um, craft singles and ritz mm. yes we we covered this 10 episodes ago yeah um but yeah no these these crackers are just they're they're phenomenal do they have any flavor on their own or not really eh, you you could have them on their I mean, own they taste like wheat probably yeah i mean you could have a couple on their own but it, eh, it's they're a vehicle for something. yeah yeah hmm. but yeah they're really good cool this is i always get 
uh, generally get two boxes when I go to Trader Joe's. So I go, go go through them kind of quick. Yeah, yeah. Hashtag treat yourself. That's right.